Our house is a very, very, very fine house with two cats in the yard. Life used to be so hard. Now everything is easy because of you. Uh, that's a song called Our House by Crosby, Stills, and Nash from their album from 1970 called Deja Vu. Uh, Joe Thurman, my co-host, chose those lyrics this week. And uh, we agreed to do uh, Crosby, Stills, and Nash because David Crosby just died. And we'll talk a little bit about him a little bit later. But we felt it was necessary to uh, honor uh, David Crosby a little bit and use uh, some Crosby, Stills, and Nash lyrics. How you doing today, Joe? Not bad, Sean. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, my brother. How you been? Doing pretty well. Um, feeling good because tomorrow is the last for me. Friday is not the end of the work week. Saturday is so tomorrow is my Friday, um, and uh, you know I'm pretty pumped up about that. I got my taxes done today. Um, right. Football you know, on tomorrow. Yeah. Football on tomorrow. You know, once I get home from work, I'll, you know the first game. Honestly, the first game is uh, is Jags Chiefs. That you could never, potentially that could potentially be uh, pretty lopsided. Who knows? Uh, you never ever know. You never know. But what I'm saying is it could be lopsided and I'll only be I'll only miss um probably like the first half, maybe the third quarter. Yeah. I'll be I'll be locked in by the fourth quarter. So maybe maybe if it's a you know, part of me wants it to be a bad game because I know I'm missing it. And another part of me knows I'll I'll be able to see the fourth quarter. So, you know, why not? I hope it's a good game. Not only that, who knows Andy Reid's like Doug? <laughs> uh, who knows Andy's offense better than Doug? But go ahead. <laughs> I want to hear something really funny. My phone's been for some reason that the, the Hey Siri has been activating way too much. Um, I don't know if I have dictation turned on on my my Apple Notes app because <laughs> everything I just said was entered into my fucking notes. Sorry for cursing again. Well, and that I owe you five bucks. That's, that's five more, so you're up to um, ten now. All right, go ahead. Okay, so <laughs> I, is this this is appropriate? Because I'm str- I'm annoyed right now because it literally dictated everything I just wrote. It translated everything I just wrote on my notes app here. Um, so yeah, it's just, I guess it has the opening to the show in the notes. Anyway, I digress. How are you doing today, Joe? Why'd you choose these lyrics? Why this song? Well, obviously, well, first of all, obviously, because we lost a musical icon. I mean, um, and, and honestly, I mean, he was a, a lot of his stuff that he did solo was, was okay to me. It was okay. It was, you know, I wasn't nuts over it, but anytime you lose a musical icon, which he was, um, you have to pay homage. The man was a great musician, but what I really admired about him was his songwriting, the words, because I'm a word man, and, and I really admired his songwriting. And what I also really admired about his work was he could take the ordinary minutia of every day, right? Our house, sitting sitting on the front porch, two cats in a yard, and this kind of thing. He could take the ordinary minutia of every day and just just – just phrase it in such a way with the words and the music that it was just a piece of art like that aforementioned song is a piece of art uh, i just i really admire that about him oh go ahead you want to say something yeah um just want to say because i guess we're talking about it immediately why not because we talked we got open up the lyrics why not talk about david a little bit sure um he died at the age of 81 he had a scare because uh you know the guy he's dead now we don't want to talk bad about him we're not going to but you know, he had problems with drugs. It's nothing to be ashamed about. You know, he had, he had no. battles with drugs, but no. it may exact, it may exasperated his medical problems because he had a long battle with hepatitis C and he needed a liver transplant in 94. And then he also, uh, had type two diabetes. And then, uh, in 2014, he had to cancel a tour because he had some health issues. So he battled some health issues, but he survived. You know, he could have died in 94. He made it all the way to 2022, made it, no, 2023. I, I should say he just died. 
I'm still getting used to that. Whenever the new year starts, it always takes me a little bit to get used <laughs> yeah. to the actual year, especially writing it down. It's like, wait, I'm, I just wrote 22. It's 23. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, he's he's really influenced by jazz and folk music, I think. I know jazz. Um, and, uh, you know, he's very talented. He was he was inducted into the, twice in the Hall, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Twice. Not just once, twice. Uh, yeah. He founded two great bands, The Birds and Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Mm-hmm. Um, then he did some cool things that nobody really knows about. I mean, He's friends with Melissa Etheridge or he knows her some somehow. And uh she had a partner, a girlfriend, I guess, and um he get, he he donated his uh his, his semen so through artificial insemination. Right. Um he he uh he's responsible, I guess, for their uh he's the father of their kid, I guess, technically. Um and then he just had a little advice, you know, is that whenever you have inspiration for songs or whatever you're doing, um, write it down immediately, even if it's just two words, because you, you might forget it. You know, if you have something that comes to your mind that's really inspiring and it could be cool, uh, write it down. Um, you know, he's lived a cool life. You know, he uh, he's humble. He says he's no he's no McCartney on bass. He admits that. Um, and uh, he spent time on an island with David Gilmore, the guy from Pink Floyd. Um, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff that you know people know, but just when someone dies, you find out these little facts about them. Um, so. You know, I know that um, Neil Young is he was he was like a big part of like the Crosby, Stills and Nash, their big songs. But um, Crosby did contribute. Um, He probably had his little input here and there, but he had he had some specific songs that he also wrote for that band. Um, But, you know, he's a very talented guy. And, uh, you know, it's unfortunate he died, but, he you know, he could have died in 1940, lived all the way, you know, 20, 30 more years. He lived after that transplant, after his liver transplant. Uh, But, Joe, what about him sticks out to you? He was the glue that, and, and I'll be honest with you, I, I liken him to, well, let, let me just say a little bit as early, you know, he was early with the birds and he did, the, you know, um, to everything, turn, turn, there is a season, turn, turn. It was sort of biblical lyrics there. That was really cool. Our house, obviously, we'll get back to that in a second. Uh, teacher children, just really mellow stuff and really, really heady stuff and creative stuff that I like. But I liken him early to when we talked about the eagles uh about a month ago we talked about them early and they were kind of mellow they were great they were great at what they did they were mellow and they were like a soft country rock band and then all of a sudden they were struck by lightning and I, what i mean by that is the eagles were struck by lightning and joe walsh entered the scene these guys crosby stills and nash were struck by lightning when one neil young entered the scene but what i give him credit for is to go acquire neil young and to keep him with them because some of the stuff that i like the the most that that you know that they did that he was responsible for david was uh was after neil young came aboard and we're going to get into i got a separate lyrics and separate whole thing for neil young but neil young is one of my i mean he's really just yeah i've heard uh I've heard Neil Young interviewed on the Howard Stern show uh, a couple times, and he's still cool. He seems cool as hell, even for an old guy. Um, and you, even for an old guy, but he's still he's like he's still like he has you know old people get old and they get a little bit slower, and you know there's a lot of stories they repeat. Uh, he's been on the Stern show and he's very with it. Um, mm-hmm, and he's still mm-hmm. he's still pretty hip and cool, you know. And, and, and Sean, I mean, just an an absolute. When I talk about the song and the lyrics, this is coming down the road. Um, there's, there's so many, I can't count, but I'm going to pick one, but you could pick any of them. I mean, his, his songwriting, his singing wasn't like legendary, but his songwriting and his guitar playing, and he had a singing, it wasn't, it wasn't, 
um, you know, it, it was an acquired taste, his voice. But once you got to to know him and went and get used to his stuff, it was unbelievable. So we're going to push him aside for the moment. But David Crosby had enough uh, um, charisma, some wits about him to go out and acquire Neil Young and and keep him with those you know guys. And they did some great stuff together. But again. Uh, I don't know how many decades, four decades at least, maybe five decades, a lot of stuff. But what I admire him for the most is his ability to write songs and write songs about the daily minutia of every day and make it just seem magical. You know, uh, our house is a very, very fine house with two cats in the yard. And then it takes a twist. Life used to be so hard. Now, everything is easy because of you. It's just like sitting on the back porch with a cup of coffee and watching a couple cats in the yard and something very mundane like that, that he turns into a, a piece of art. And he is revered. And we would be remiss if we didn't mention him. You know, I had something else lined up the other day for my lyrics. And as soon as this happened, I said, uh-uh, this moves out. He moves in. You have to do it. So, uh, rest in peace, brother Dave. Um, good work and your music will live on. So. Yeah, and I just wanted to quickly say uh, the reason that he said he wasn't as good as at uh, bass as McCartney because he said because I think McCartney plays the bass and sings at the same time. I, that's what according to him because he wrote an autobiography in 1988. Um, he said trying to play bass and sing is like trying to dial two telephones at once with both hands. Um, and he gives credit to McCartney. Yeah. He gives credit to Paul McCartney. He says I can't do that. Um, so basically he started playing rhythm guitar while, while I was vocalizing. So it's, you know, he, he realized that some of his weaknesses, um, and he just played to his strengths. So it seemed like he was pretty intelligent. Um, yeah. When you can, when you can analyze yourself and be honest with yourself and, uh, we all do it with our jobs and say, I'm strong here, but you know, I really need to pick it up over here and find some help to get better in these areas. When you can do that, it just shows a sign of, of, of just being, uh, developed a little more. You know, we, we're, we're, we develop throughout the, our lifetime, not just between birth and 18 or 19. We develop all through uh, our lifetime and that shows the sign of a really well-developed person, you know? Yeah. Um, and I just wanted to quickly, uh, unless you have something more to say about David Crosby, um, no, rest in peace. last episode we featured, uh, Rafe Fines, um, the actor. And I, I mispronounced his name every time I said his name. I, I thought it was, I didn't think I had to, I usually look up every name to make sure I could pronounce it correctly. I thought it was just Ralph Viennas. Um, that's what I thought. Yeah. Then I had some friends busting my balls who were listening saying, dude, you're mispronouncing his name. I'm like, how do you know how to pronounce it? How do you know it's Rafe Fines? Cause I looked <laughs> it up. I was like, it's Rafe, it's Rafe Fines. So his first name is Rafe. Like it's, it looks like Ralph, but it's Rafe. Because he's British, um, I guess that's part of it. But and then the last name is not Fiennes, it's Fine. So apologies to Ray Fines. Um, you know, hopefully he didn't. You know, get, <laughs> imagine you listen to the podcast, heard us mis- mispronounce his name, and totally just like <laughs> burned us. You know, publicly. But yeah, we're not that's that good big to time. be accurate. It's we're good not to that, be accurate. We're, yeah, we're not that big time yet. So I don't think we're getting any uh, flack yet. So no. um, anyway, I digress, Joe. Um, What's been going on with you? I heard there was like a Good Samaritan story or something you were telling me about. It's a Good Samaritan story that 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 just made my it just it just it it made me water up a little bit. This happened the other day. I saw it on Action News. This is WPVI in Philadelphia. If anyone wants to check it, they can go to WPVI.com in Philadelphia Action News and just type in Good Samaritan. But Mr. John Burrell, B-E-R-L the third, John Burrell the third, owner of Uncle John's barbecue stand in Claymont, Delaware. He snapped pictures on his phone the other day. The pics were of a man taking off his boots 
and giving them to a homeless man who had no shoes at all to wear out in the cold. So this guy in the middle of the right in front of a convenience store saw that there was a homeless guy there with no 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 shoes on his feet. He asked them where they were. He said, didn't have any. He asked him what size. He says, you know what? He took his boots off. And this was being filmed by this John Burrell guy. So um Mr. Burrell then posted these pics on his Facebook page uh, and, and it was shared over and over and over again. It went viral. The good that John Burrell was the guy filming this. Uh, unbeknownst to the Good Samaritan, whose name is Jawan Jones Wil- of Wilmington, Delaware, he's 24 years old. He did not realize that anyone was being filmed. They caught up to him and he said, quote, my mom always used to say, be grateful for what you have because you don't have to have anything, which I like that. Mama always said, be grateful for what you have because you don't have to have anything. And that's a good way to look at things that, you know, and he, he yeah. also he also quoted a mentor coach of his because he was a high school athlete too, Juwan. He uh, one of his uh, coaches and mentors said, quote, if you can help just one person, you never know that person can take that blessing and help someone else. End quote. I just thought that was fantastic. I encourage anyone who likes stories like these. Go uh, Channel 6, WPVIPhiladelphia.com, ActionNews.com, and just type in Good Samaritan, and you'll find it. I mean, it's really, yeah, really a good story. Um, I'm playing devil's advocate really quick. Um, Why? There's no possibility. Why I have would you to want see- to do that? Why I don't want to you- play devil. Because I've seen stuff like this happen where the guy happens to be – someone happens to be filming, and it's all staged. Uh, and then they, they create a GoFundMe for the homeless person because a girl – this is on my top of my mind. I saw it, that story too. Because this is the opposite of what you said basically. A girl did the opposite. She she like you know made it seem like this homeless guy had a horrible story. They started a GoFundMe yeah, and they stole that. a bunch of people's money basically. I'm not saying that this is the same. It's most – I'm 99% sure it's an accurate story and it's true. It's a good Samaritan. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is hopefully – it's not some something that was staged. Hopefully, it was just a guy happened to be taping, and he saw this good deed, um, and there's that. But it's just the world we live in, where so many people scheming. You know what I mean? It's one right. of those and, things. And I have to confess to you, Sean, for a, for a quick second, I had the same thought: like, what's going on here? But there's no GoFundMe page whatsoever at all, being you know, and we can't let one. Yeah, it crossed my mind because it should always cross your mind. But I don't think it, I really don't think it's the case here, and. As evidence, they're they're not asking for anything, you know. So, and these guys were both. They brought them together, and they both did the handshake and a little hug, you know, the shoulder bump and everything. And they were the one guy was so impressed with the other. And I don't think it was the case here, but yeah, I think that one story that we all saw with the couple that that gave the um, twenty dollars or something to a homeless. I forget what it was, but um, it turns out that the couple they were scheming and scamming because anytime there's a GoFundMe page, then you could n- not doesn't mean anything. But it's then that at least you may start to wonder. This um, go check it out. They're not asking for anything. If the story's over, it was just really. Um, I mean, I, I'd be willing to donate the guy. We we could all donate no. shoes to the guy, right? He could have a, a lifetime supply of shoes, so he never has to go without shoes again. It you was know? just well, it was just well, yeah. It was just one action that was taking place, and it was just the idea of hey, uh, pay it forward. You know, each one, reach yeah. one, that kind of thing. And yeah. hey, go check it out. But I don't think it was anything like that. But I can't blame you for at least for a second. Yeah, it's it's. You know. Sad. It's sad it's that I have. It's sad that I even have to ask that question, right? Look, what kind of world are we living in? We're we're so cynical. We're not even, you know, because it hap- We live in a world where there's so many like disturbing people who just do bad things. So it's like your first thing, you know. It's like okay, 
Mm-hmm. And, so I, and like I told yeah. you, I even for a second, Sean, the other day, I thought, man, I wonder, man, what, what is it? But it's really, really, I believe it, it really, really uh, looked genuine. And the fact that no one's asking for anything. The guy got his shoes. The yeah. guy was impressed. He was almost moved to tears. He filmed it. And if you see the interview, they actually show you that they interview these guys. It doesn't look that way at all. But uh, you're right. For a quick second, I think we should. Anytime someone calls you on the phone and you don't know who they are, um, have your antennas up. You don't know. But uh, this was a good story, Sean. I think it was real. I really do. Exactly. Um, All right. So you had something else you want to talk about. What was that? Yeah. You know, ever since I was about eight years old, I had older siblings. So um, I'm talking about like if I was eight years old, it's 1972. As far as back as I can remember, my teenage siblings, when I was, you know, seven, eight years old, um, we're talking today. Jerry Blavitt, Jerry Blavitt. Oh, he's going to be here. He's going to be there. Jerry Blavitt was a legendary DJ uh, in the Philadelphia, uh, New Jersey, South Jersey area. And he used to, his nickname used to be the Geeter and he used to call himself the Geeter with the heater, the boss with the hot sauce, this kind of thing. He was really, really just a legendary great DJ in Philadelphia. And in the summertime, he would be down in Margate. It was a club down there. I've been there. It's called Memories in Margate. And he was known for playing the fifties, sixties and seventies all the way through. So, but it was great. Every Saturday night, you could go out and you can hear some doo-wop stuff and this and that and Dion Belmont, Dion and the Belmonts and so forth. Dion DiMucci and the Belmonts and, and, and Frankie Valli and the Four Seasons or whatever it may be, the temptation, any of that music, the old, oldies music he would play. And, um, I can also remember, I can remember around 19, early 1990s. Um, laughing it up with a couple of buddies of mine because Jerry Blavitt used to do a, a show on Sunday nights uh, on the radio. Um, and I never really had a chance because I, Sunday nights was not a night that I would like listen to music Friday and Saturday was, but, uh, I digress during the week. You would get commercials for that, that show that he would do on Sunday night. And he would be like, you know, Ooh, been a bop. This is the jock. Don't forget Sunday at six o'clock. And it was just really funny. And I would say that to a couple of guys I worked with that I'd like, and then, okay. And one guy told me one time he was riding down the road and out and like going to Exton PA to go to that, you know, this was, on, I was in clothing retail. Um, one guy was going to his store in Exton PA and he's riding down the road and he heard on the radio, he heard that that ooh been a bop this is the job and he started cracking up laughing he almost drove off the side of the road it was just one of those things jerry blavitt and the, the way he could rhyme and the boss with the sauce and the geeter with the heater he was not only a dj what type of he, music did he play he would play pretty much um my 50s 60s and 70s but that stuff's you know, i'm talking about in the 80s 90s and aughts that stuff was still and it still is um really desirable for a, a big crowd but uh, memories in margate he was uh, down there he used to play down there in the summertime um he would play over at the coral reef over in mount ephraim he was legendary in philadelphia and south jersey he was a part of the fabric of our uh, of us of you know of our our generation is what yeah. i'm trying to say um, so we lost said, we lost a big one 
Geeter with the heater because I, I looked up Geeter to try to figure out what what Geeter is and you don't want to know what popped up like this is something called Urban Dictionary the Urban oh, Dictionary well, the, if it if it's if it, if it's really not flattering to him yeah, that no. wasn't the definition so we I know I know I know it's it not his please don't I, tell me on air that what I know it's not. I know for a fact it's not his definition but when you see the definition of Urban Dictionary of what a uh, Geeter is you're gonna well, be like, yeah, okay. okay. Well, I'll, t- I'll take I'll take your word for it. I'll take yeah. your word for it. But that's um, it. We lost a great one, Sean. That's all. Yeah, yeah no, because honestly, like I didn't even know who the guy was. Because Howard, I get you know Howard Stern's my main guy, and he always mentions like these local DJs who he knows. One of the guys stands out to me is this guy named Kid Chris. He's still mm-hmm. doing his thing, I guess. He's DJing around the country somewhere, but um, he, I don't know if he's ever mentioned Jerry Blavitt. I have to like now have to really pay attention because if he ever does. Uh, when did he die? He just died. He just died he this just week. Died recently, yeah. Yeah. So maybe, maybe next week, because Stern's on b- back Monday, I think. Maybe he'll mention it. Possibly. Well, I, I know if you walk up to, if you walked up to him and say, Howard, do you know a guy like in Philadelphia, Eric Jerry Blavitt? I guarantee you, he'll say, yeah. Now, whether he will you know, come out and say that on on, I don't know. I don't know. But if you walked up to him and said, Howard, this the guy named Jerry Blavitt in Philadelphia, he'd go, yeah, the Gator with the, and I know he would know. But it was just one of those things. I mean, you're a North Jersey kid. You're right up. Nest- up against New York, and so maybe you wouldn't you wouldn't know. Now, if you were from this area, you'd know exactly who I'm talking about. And there may be a, a guy or two, or a, a woman or two, or an entertainment or, or two up there in your neck of the woods that passes away some point. And I won't know who it is, but it's that's just my very point. It yeah. was just our area, but he was very special. He was like our Uncle Jerry, you know. That's all. So I'm, gl- I'm glad you. I'm glad our show is able to, uh, you know, celebrate him a little bit. He sounds like a cool guy. He he was. You'd love him, and I'll show you. I'll show you videos of him. And he was just always fun, always upbeat, and just. just the, and he was always with the little the fancy hats and stuff. He he was just. He was the definition of cool, and he loved his music. He loved his work, and he loved the Philadelphia area. I say Philadelphia area. When you say Philadelphia, anything, it's not just the city. It's yeah. the Delaware Valley. I mean, you know, he, uh... it's Delaware Valley. Yeah, I mean, if all I know is that if he, if I found out he's a Villanova fan, then he's he's the man in my book. That's all I know. He um, would not be against Villanova, that I can tell you. <laughs> um, I want to talk a little bit about because um, every I I have an AMC movie subscription, so I'm seeing everything that's in theaters pretty much. Uh, I just want to give a quick uh, update on what I saw recently. So Tuesday, I saw The Broker. It's a South Korean film about um, basically it's about um, a baby box. Where pe- mothers who have kids, instead of having an abortion, they have a baby, they drop it off this baby box, and then they know that the baby's going to be okay. And then a broker basically brokers a deal to get, you know, um, good parents, you know, they, 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 you know, they, they interview the parents and make sure they're good parents. Where, um, where's the, where's the, this baby box? It's, it's a, you know, it's a fictional movie. It's a fictional movie. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, so the baby box somewhere in South Korea. But anyway, the movie was all in subtitles and, it was an okay movie. Honestly, it was kind of boring to me. The story was good, but it was just kind of boring. It dragged on. And I, and then it also takes a toll on you and you're reading for two hours, you know, you're used to like just listening. Um, so, you know, I'm not saying it was a bad movie because I think objectively it's probably a good movie, but it's a little bit boring for my taste. Um, and then the other movie I saw last night was called missing. And that's basically a sequel. Um, except it's not, it has nothing to do with the first one. The first one was called searching. Um, but it's a second, it's a, it's the same type of movie. Um, and it's a cool concept. Basically this, this girl, her mom goes on vacation with her boyfriend and the mom goes missing and the whole movie you see through the eyes of the daughter 
And it's how she's trying to find her mom because it's really stressful. It's like, how do I go about locating a missing person in a foreign country? I think it was like Colombia or something like that. And basically she's using, you see whatever she searches for on her laptop, whatever she searches for on her phone, whoever she talks to on, on FaceTime. And just one example is there's a site called TaskRabbit. TaskRabbit, you hire people to do the random tasks, to fix electronics, the you know, handyman basically, or just to pick something up for you from a store. Um, it's called TaskRabbit. Um, I think it's a real thing. It was in the movie. I'm pretty sure it's a real thing though, but um, she, she contacts task rabbit in Columbia, their version of task rabbit. It's called like task ninja or something like that. Anyway, she locates a guy who like, you know, he goes to like check security footage before they delete the, cause the footage of the security of the hotel is deleted in 48 hours. So she wants to make sure it doesn't get deleted. So she goes on task rabbit and she contacts this Colombian guy. There's a language barrier. So it shows her on the computer doing the, the translation from, from English to Spanish. Um, and it's just like very, like, it's tough to describe unless you've seen searching the first one. Um, the first one had, uh, John Cho in it. Uh, he's a famous, uh, Asian actor, Deborah Messing, but you know, this one had Nia Long. Um, but it's just a very well-made movie. Cause it's like, you're so engrossed and you can't look away from the screen. You're like, what is, how is she, you know, what's she doing next? Cause it's not people just like talking and you, you can hear what they're saying. If you look away real quick, you have to really see what she's doing. You have to pay attention closely she's putting all these sticky notes on her laptop um and they're showing like surveillance of different like public cameras in like columbia anyway you know i don't want to talk too much about it but it was a very good movie i really i really enjoyed it one of the best movies i've seen recently very unique because the first one searching was very unique um so i highly recommend missing and then the broker you know i'm just saying it's kind of boring so those are the movies i saw recently um so, sometimes yeah. I don't. Sometimes I I don't like. I, I know I, I know you're you're right, and I respect that. And but some a lot of people like those kind of movies. Movies, but sometimes I don't like the kind of movies where I have to feel like I have to get a notepad out and start taking notes. Yeah, it wasn't, you know, honestly, you know, it's, it like, wasn't, it's like I want to kick back and relax. Yeah, not take it wasn't. A class. It wasn't. It wasn't like to the point where I needed a notepad, right? right? But it was one of those things where like if you if you, there's a lot of like hidden clues on the screen, so if you look very closely. Um, at certain little things, even like videos of like old, old family videos. She's looking, she's searching her old family videos for clues and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you just got to pay attention. You know, you don't need, it's not, it's not going to, I wasn't okay. stressed out. I wasn't thinking it was like, cla- I was, I was in class and there was like a quiz. Yeah, Cause some movies are like that. It's like, holy God, that I, what did I miss? I missed that little thing. Okay. That kind of, so, but, but, but it's cool. Um, it, I think, just, I honestly think, I think, um, I think you actually really enjoy it for sure. I mean, I think you should check out searching first. And then we'll talk about it in the show, maybe if you have a chance to check it out, because like you'll be like, oh man, that, that was really cool. That was really unique. Because there's not any other movies like these movies. Searching and missing, missing. Yeah, I'll just have to make sure I got a little more energy for for that kind of yeah. thing. You know, take an extra coffee or something before yeah. it. Um, before but, um, we do, before we, unless you have something else to say, Joe. No. Uh, what were you going to say before we do what? Um, I was before because we're doing an actor this week. Before right. we do our actor, I wanted because we did a lot of like you know we did David Crosby's kind of like life story bio. Uh, we did your DJ, uh, Jerry Blavitt's bio. We're not going to do the actor right now. Let's do the Snapple fact first. So I got the Snapple fact ready. You ready, Joe? Okay. Yep. All right. So this Snapple fact is Snapple fact fifteen twenty five. It's the tiny pocket in jeans was made for pocket watches. You know that those little tiny pockets in your jeans. I use it every day. I use it. I have a couple little things that I put in there. Yeah, I really do. It it's makes it easier handy. to reach. It, it, yeah. the, it separates what's in the big pocket from the little pocket. It's exactly. Very, very. I'm happy they still have them on jeans because I use those too. Um, you there? Yeah. 
<laughs> there was like I, silence I, for a second. I, I coughed. I'm sorry. You we, caught me. I yeah, we're, we're usually talking over each other. So I'm like, wait, why isn't he like trying to interrupt me now? You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I coughed. So I had to cough. Um, but basically, the story with the, this, the tiny pocket was it dates back to the Levi's, Levi's jeans, their first ever pair of jeans, which hit the market in 1879. And I guess a lot of people have pocket watches and they, they felt like, why not? Let's, let's add a little pocket uh, for pocket watches, you know? Yeah, my pop used my pop used to my pop was born in 1928, so I mean you know you know it's by 19 what uh, 48 he's 20 years old and he had a pocket watch he carried and he always carried one all you know all his days he carried a little pocket watch. And the funny thing about this this whole because I found that Snapple fact I just I just found that Snapple fact today, but before before I found the Snapple fact this is all random. Um, before I went because I go on the Snapple fact website and I do like randomize and I find one that's cool. But mm-hmm. someone had sent me a funny meme today. Memes are like funny photos with little captions. That's it's really funny stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I sent you it today. I don't know if you got it. It's a I picture of that not. little pocket. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Very few people know this, but the little pocket on your jeans is for your paycheck after taxes. <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't. I didn't really find that too amusing, but um, I like. I, mean, I like the Snapple fact. Um, yeah, but it was just coincidence because literally, the I went on the Snapple fact website and this comes up right away. I'm like, holy crap! Like, what a coincidence, you know? Because I I sent that meme to a couple people. Um, and it's one of those things because people hate paying taxes and, you know, just a joke about having a little pack, the little pocket. Every time you get paid each week, you're like, where'd the rest of my money go? You know, taxes took your money. That's where it went. Yeah. Taxes did, but you know, you know, do you want, you want your potholes fixed? Do you want your, uh, you know, do you want your, your snow plow to to come around and, and remove snow? Do you want, everyone hates taxes until something happens. And then they need something, oh, so, right? I mean, you know, it is. But I, I don't want to get real, you know. But it, it, it was a cute. That's a cute little thing. It's a cute little because we all like to to joke. But when it comes down to it, okay, you don't want any taxes. Okay, good luck. Good luck. You know, with all your other stuff, all the stuff that you want, uh, it's not free, so it's got to come from somewhere. But uh, it was clever. It was clever. It's a nice little thing. A nice little thing. So, which actor are we doing? I'm going to uh, do. You chose the actor. His name is Robert Duvall. Yes, sir. Robert, I know. I know that's the right pronunciation. I'm pretty sure about it. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we're going. We're going. You know, have any problem with that one? Uh, I just want to. I'll introduce him real quick, and I'll let you talk about a little about your favorites. Um, so he was born in 1931. He's still alive. He's yes, he's going to be 100 years old in uh, eight years, I guess. Uh, he's born in his birthday. He actually just turned. Uh, he was, his birthday was recent. He was born January 5th. Um, so happy belated birthday, Robert Duvall. Um, he majored in, uh, he's born in San Diego. He mm-hmm. majored in drama at Principia College in Illinois. Then he studied acting in New York City. And here's a fun fact. He roomed while he was studying acting in New York City um, with Dustin Hoffman. Wow. So that's a cool, fun fact. That is neat. Um, you know, he started off in, off, off in theater. He did a stage actor in the 60s before he started, you know, then he started getting cast in some TV shows. He was in some big time show in, in 1960s called Playhouse 90. This was some popular, it sounds like an SNL type show or something, but, um, you know, he seems like a cool guy. I mean, I, I watched some of his interviews, um, on YouTube and they're asking him how he plays some of these like characters, some of these asshole characters. Um, he says it's all percentages. Sometimes it's 80% asshole and 20% good guy. And maybe (laughs) sometimes the next day it's 80% good guy, 20% uh, a-hole. Um, and then he says his favorite role was playing Joseph Stalin in the movie Stalin about the Russian like dictator guy. Oh, um, yeah, what a piece of he work says the he key was. to playing like like horrible people like that is find their vulnerability because you know you want the audience to relate because a lot of these movies they're all bad guys but you relate you like you know they're human beings so you want to relate with them a little bit you're like how are they you know they're still human right yeah um so that was cool I watched you know 
But uh, what, what's your what do you think about the guy? Why'd you choose Robert? Robert Duvall. Well, I I'm gonna let me just put it this way. I have seen him do numerous things. Uh, he's always been a cool customer. There haven't been too many people like him, and he's been around. Like I said, the two big things I look for is versatility. He has it, and I look for longevity. He has so, it. So basically, basically, he's Ed Harris Jr. <laughs> well, I would say okay. I, I, Robert. No, honestly, Robert Duvall is <laughs> Robert Duvall is a big time actor. Nothing right. against Ed Harris, but. Robert yeah, please, he's in a whole different league, I think. And listen, we were I was thinking about doing Ed this week, but this just kind of <laughs> came up. We're going to get to Ed because Ed is one of our finest. And I told you that. Um, so, so, so this is not there's nothing humorous about that, my friend. Um, let me just let me go through um, my top five. Um, this I is just, um, just, I just interrupt you. Real quick. I'm just laughing because, you know, because we always talk about oh, Ed Harris. Okay, I, we're we're going to have him. We're going to have him on the show one of these days. I promise. I'm not laughing at Ed Harris. I'm laughing at the idea that we talk about this man constantly. He's going to be on the show. I love him. Absolutely love him. And he, he really, he really is the poster boy for what motivated us to do this piece is that actor. That's just, he's not a B actor, but he's not an A actor. He's sort of like a B plus. He's like right in that, you know? Um, so he is. So all due respect to Ed Harris, uh, he's always on the tip of our tongues, but let me, uh, let me talk about Robert Duvall. And for some of you folks who don't know him by name, here you go. Punch him up, Google him. And as minute you see his face, you're going to say, Oh, that guy, that's what we want. So number <laughs> five, number five is he was in Apocalypse Now. Now, Apocalypse Now isn't for everybody, right? But, uh, it's an acquired taste. But, um, you know, who could forget, uh, you know, I love the smell of napalm in the morning, that kind of thing. He played, uh, uh, he played a lieutenant in Apocalypse Now, which was, was fantastic. It was a little eerie, but, uh, there was nothing about Vietnam that wasn't eerie. Um, number four, he played, he played the part of, um, a Marine sergeant, um, who was very, um, egotistical very hard-headed as a lot of drill sergeants would be but it was a character called the great santini was his last name santini and it just showed you a lot of this this guy's um home life and how his marine personality um sometimes was good with his home life sometimes conflicted with his home life um and um some little bit of uh alcoholism involved and it was it was actually a good story uh the great santini okay that was number 4 number 3 number 3 was a movie he you just coughed you just coughed didn't you yes i did <laughs> Number three was a movie he did with Sean Penn, and it was in the late 1980s. I don't know exactly when it was, but it was called Colors, and he and Sean Penn were beat cops in L.A., and they had to tangle with the bloods and the crips and get along with people and how to find out here and, you know, how to how to how to manage, you know, uh, the streets. And it was really a it was a fantastic movie. I think there was there was a Latin girl in it that I was really um let's say I was really smitten with her. I think her name was Maria Conchita Alonso. Um <laughs> I no, I, I really no, it, 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 you just I'm I'm cracking up because it's like, you know, it's just one of those things you you knew the name yeah. off the tip of your tongue, you know. Well, because you know why she was a hot number like in the in the mid eighties to the mid nineties, Maria Conchita Alonso. Um but um 
I digress. Robert Duvall was a beat cop and he was showing the rookie Sean Penn the ropes of how to survive day in and day out. As Can I just interrupt cop. really quick? Uh, this sure. is important. Do you think that the movie Colors inspired Training Day? Maybe to maybe to some degree, but maybe to some degree. It's that's hard. That's hard to because you got me thinking of like because uh, we talked about Denzel a couple episodes. You got me thinking of Denzel and Ethan Hawke in the car. You know the type of dynamic between Sean Penn and Duval. You know the only the, yeah, it could have inspired it, Sean. But but um, the difference is that Robert Duval's character was he wasn't like uh, uh, anal retentive by the rule like cop, but he was pretty much a good guy and a good cop. Um, but he was trying to show Sean Penn the new cop to loosen up a little bit and where you had to make concessions and, you know, you pick and choose your battles and you, you do things this way and you get along with these folks and you get along with those folks, but he wasn't as unethical and, and as, uh, you know, as, um, oof, as, uh, you know, um, nefarious as uh, Denzel Washington in the, in that other movie. So number three was colors. Um, two, and you know me, I'm a Civil War. I'm not a Civil War buff because buff indicates that you know a whole lot about something. I'm not, I haven't reached that level. I'm a Civil War enthusiast. But um, Robert Duvall played the part of Robert E. Lee. Now, I know Robert E. Lee was with the other side. And I know he was a rebel. And I know he was with the South. But Robert E. Lee, um, he even had reservations about um see these guys were conflicted with this war sometimes they were going brother against brother and some cousin against cousin but rob there's a story of robert e lee uh after a battle and uh, he was on his horse his horse's name was traveler and he sees a union soldier that's laying and he's suffering and he's almost dead and robert lee gets this is a union soldier right this is the enemy Robert Lee gets off his horse and goes over to him and consoles him a little bit and you know, puts his hand on his cheek and talks about son, you know, blah, 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 I hope you're feeling better, son. And, blah, blah, and he gets back. And this is a true story. So it's sometimes we, we, we consider the other side and so forth. So when people hear Robert E. Lee, sometimes they, oh, uh, Robert Lee was a man and he, 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 he was conflicted, but he had to stay true to the south because that's where he was born and he felt like he was doing the right thing be that as it may robert duvall played the part of robert e lee in the movie gods and generals and it was a three-hour movie and i loved every minute of it and man did he play that role um that was number two number one number one um this is what uh I didn't want to say it earlier, but when you said what inspired you to pick Robert, how did you ever learn about Robert Duvall? What? Robert Duvall played the part of Tom Hagen, um, the attorney for the Carleone family in the original Godfather and the Godfather 2. But the Godfather 1 is my number one. And Tom Hagen, the counselieri for the Carleone family in that movie. <laughs> He was as smooth as silk. If anyone's ever seen that movie, I mean, when he goes over, one of my favorite scenes is when he's talking to that movie producer, trying to get that Johnny a role. And he's talking to that movie producer and the movie producer starts screaming back at him. You go tell Don Corleone, he's not going to muscle me. And he's screaming at the top of his lungs. 
And the whole time Duvall is sitting there at the table, stirring his tea very gently and just very <laughs> calm. And at the end of this guy's like two minute rant, he says, no problem, sir. And he grabs his hat and he says, do you mind if I use your telephone to call a taxi? I need to get back because a Don Carleone is a man who insists on hearing bad news immediately. <laughs> just like that. And it was just as smooth as silk. I mean, the other guys, he's turning stuff over. He's yelling. He's screaming. He's, you know, he's, his face is purple. And he just very calm. So, but that's what he was. He was in that role. That role, he was as smooth as silk. And he was, he was calm. The ironic thing was he was a lawyer for a crime family and he knew the stuff that was going on. But he felt allegiance to them because he knew them since he was a little kid and so forth. And it was just a really interesting role. But that's what really first got my eyes like, wow, look at this guy. Look at this actor. And then I started noticing him and everything. And really, I just named five. Everything's subjective. He's been in so much. It's not even funny. Great actor. I have to see, uh, I haven't seen Gods and Generals and I have, I, as I've seen, I've seen like, I pride Watch myself it. on seeing everything. I'm, I'm, I call myself a film ball for sure, but um, I haven't seen Gods and Generals and I haven't seen the great Santini. Uh, uh, so both great movies. Top five. I got to check those out, man. I would say first go see Gods and Generals um, because, and, and I know you, you like interesting stuff. Once you really stick your head into the civil war a little more, my God, are we so lucky we had Abraham Lincoln at that time because you don't know how close we came. And I'm going to tell you, it was tough. It was tough. Um, you know, you had literally, you had some states that where you had cousin against cousin and some even brother against brother. It was really tough. Anyway, we came through it. We had Abraham Lincoln and we'll, that's a whole different, we'll talk about him some night. How, how, what, what, what trials and tribulations he faced this man faced unbelievable sorrow and, and, and trials and tribulations, and he was still able to power through. And thank God we had him at just the right time. Otherwise, this could be all – this could be totally different. But anyway, we'll I digress. Talk, we'll have a, one, of the sh- one of these shows, man, we'll talk about – we'll have like a Civil War segment. Maybe we'll have that like you know occasionally, just little hints and little well, – uh, That'll little- be after you and I take a ride out to Gettysburg and walk around and spend the day out there. Yeah, absolutely. I've been there for a so- – I've been there – I went to Gettysburg for a soccer tournament. The funny part about – here's this – we had – Let's continue talking about Robert Duvall, but the funny part about it, you told that story about that DJ, Jerry Blavitt, mm-hmm. and you said your friend almost drove off the road because he was laughing at what you said. He, well, realized he exaggerated what, a little, but yeah, he was but, laughing. When, when, I was, when I was at, in Gettysburg for a, soccer, a youth soccer tournament as a kid, we were driving in one of my friends, one of my teammates' dad's car, and there was a really attractive woman walking on the side of the road. <laughs> That'll do it. Yeah. The car started swerving towards <laughs> the side of the road. We were started cracking up like, are you – what are you doing? You know that girl's right. We're young. We're like, we're like, you know, I think we're like 12. And we're like, we just, what is it? He's driving off the freaking road for this girl, you know, but you just, you unlock that memory, the Gettysburg and then driving off the road. So I digress. But, uh, Robert Duvall, man, my, uh, my, my impression of the guy, he's super talented. And what I forgot about him, he was in a really famous movie. My mother loves this movie, um, To Kill a Mockingbird. In yes. He played Boo Radley. I wanted to mention that, and I forgot. Thank you so much for because To Kill a Mockingbird was on, uh, was a movie based on the novel. I mean, you're talking about really, really tremendous art there. Um, and Gregory Peck played the lawyer, but um, Duvall played the role of play like a of, really like you know introverted uh, guy, yeah. introverted kind of misunderstood guy, and he's he, he ends up kind of being like a hero type of thing. So. 
Exactly right. He was trying to be, they were trying to paint this on him because he was a little different. They were trying to corner him and frame him for this because it was convenient. And as it turns out, he was the hero. Yeah. He was the good, he was the good Samaritan in the thing. I have so many movies. I'm not going to talk about every movie, but let me just go down my list. Then I'll just pick out like one or two to quickly talk about. We don't have to rush, buddy. Yeah, we're not, we're not rushing. Um, So he was just in a new Adam Sandler movie on Netflix called Hustle. It's a really good basketball movie. Uh, I think the guy, the, the the real NBA player who played the actor in the movie, the played the basketball player, but he acts in this movie. Is, uh, I don't know why I mentioned him, but Juan Hernan Gomez or something like that. But anyway, he was in that. He was in The Judge in 2014. He was in Crazy Heart with Jeff Bridges in 2009. Obviously, he was in The Godfather 1 and 2. You know, um, He was in Four Christmases with Vince Vaughn in 2008. He was in Kicking and Screaming in 2005. He was in John Q in 2002. He was in The Sixth Day with Arnold Schwarzenegger in 2000. He was in Gone in 60 Seconds in 2000 with Nicholas King. <laughs> He's been he around. Was in Civil Action with John Travolta in 1998. He was in Sling Blade in 1996 with Billy Bob Thornton. He was in Phenomenon in 1996 with John Travolta. He was in one of my all-time favorite. I'll talk about this in a second. Falling Down. Falling Down. Uh, I believe Michael Douglas in 1993. Oh. That's yes. a great movie. Yeah, I that love movie, that one. Yeah. It's, it's one of the first DVDs I ever had. Um, I need uh, my breakfast at 11 o'clock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> Days of Thunder with Tom Cruise in 1990. He was in Network. Remember that movie Network? Mm-hmm. The Apostle. Uh, he was in, yeah, he was in that. I, that's another movie. I don't think I, I think I, I might have saw The Apostle. I have to check if I did. Uh, he was in The Conversation. One of my favorite movies of Gene Hackman, Gene Hackman movies of all time to me is The Conversation. I love that movie. But um, so, yeah, I'm just going to talk a little bit quickly Falling Down with Michael Douglas was a phenomenal movie. It's like, oh my, you're so, the whole movie, you're on the edge of your seat. Like, what the hell is what's this guy going to do? He's a stressed out guy and just walks out of his car one day in traffic and you follow him through his whole day. It was a great uh, movie. And I believe there's a scene with Robert Duvall and it's like a birthday cake or something like that. Uh, I got to rewatch that movie. That movie is amazing. But um, Robert Duvall always seems like a very, like, you know, um, unassuming um, nice guy. Um, measured, got, very he, measured. Yeah. Yeah. But he was in the movie Kicking and Screaming with Will Ferrell. I saw that in movies where Will Ferrell coaches a youth soccer team. That movie was friggin' hilarious. And I think he, Robert Duvall played like, I think he, I don't know if he played Will Ferrell's dad or a rival coach. I, I'm pretty sure. I, I don't had to, know. I had to if he played a rival coach, whatever the rival coach was in that movie was really funny. Um, but, you know, and what I'm saying is this man has been, these are all movies that I've seen and that are really great movies. He's in all these movies. So, just the just the pedigree of movies that he's in, and, and I didn't even have Gods and Generals and The Great Santini on my list. So, um, very he's been you know he's born nineteen thirty. He's been active for a long time. So you're gonna you're gonna fall you're gonna run into some stuff accidentally. You're gonna be in some hits, but this man is in a lot of a lot of great movies. You know. Yeah, yeah. And I'm glad you featured him. Um, seems like an awesome guy, interesting guy, well spoken, got a sense of humor, honest, and uh, he could take on a lot of different roles. He's very um. He's very, very versatile. Uh, versatile. Yeah. Versatile is the word for it. Yep. Yep. Exactly. So shout out to Robert Duvall. And uh, yeah, he's our guy today for actor. Um, so we did Snapple fact early. Usually I think Snapple fact comes after our actor did that early. I think we should go on to, uh, to the fake versus real news story. I think this week we're switching it up. Um, we got Joe. He, you're, you're, you're going to get from my understanding, Joe, I usually do <laughs> two fake and one real. You're going to give me two real and one fake? Yeah, I want you to pick out the fake. So find the fake out of these three stories. One of them is fake. Okay. Okay. So story number one is 
Members of the FBI and CIA reveal a foiled plot by Russian aristocrats to assassinate Vladimir Putin. Approximately nine different Russian aristocrats were discovered plotting the aforementioned carbon monoxide death of Putin. Uh, it was unfoiled plot and it was in October of 2022, but it was recently leaked. Okay. That's one. Keep that in mind. Okay. Next story. This is from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. A 12 year old boy, an avid fisher boy, fisherman, um, with his family visiting from Massachusetts, visiting from Boston. So Fort Lauderdale. 12-year-old boy from Boston visiting Fort Lauderdale with his family. They were out in the family boat about a mile off the coast when they threw out some bait. Suddenly, they felt a real powerful pull on the line. Uh, On the other end of the line was an 11-foot, several-hundred-pound great white shark. They (laughs) almost dropped over. Now, uh, they dragged it in. He obviously had some help after that. I mean, you're talking about a monster on the other end of the, um, they were able to, uh, he with a couple of adults were able to, to sustain the hold on it. And they dragged it all the way in to within a hundred yards of shore. Then some experts, some experts came out like marine biologists came out, removed the line from the shark's mouth, tagged it and sent it back to sea. That's story number two. This is story number three. Uh, An Arizona town, a small Arizona town, Rio Verde Foothills is the name of the town. Rio Verde Foothills. Um, They're a town without water. They share water access with nearby Scottsdale. But a major drought led Scottsdale to hold its own water and tell them to go fend for themselves. This thousand-person community... Uh, Rio Verde Foothills was so distraught over this that they are suing Scottsdale, Arizona for being cut off. Wait, so say that again. So the, the water, yeah. the water, uh, was cut off in one place and other people got the water. Yeah. There's a small uh, town outside of Scottsdale, a thousand person, a thousand people. It's called Rio Verde Hills and they get water from Scottsdale. That's how they get their water. Uh, and normally it's not a problem, but because of a recent drought, Scottsdale said, we can't give you any more water right now. We don't, you know, we don't have enough, you know, okay. you don't have any water to spare. Can't give you any. So they left them to fend for themselves. <laughs> you know, okay. you, got, you got guys going to carrying water tanks and doing this and doing that. And, uh, so Rio Verde foothills, the small town that's being cut off from the water by Scottsdale is filing a lawsuit about it. Okay. So, all right, so you get a lot of details here. So even the, even the fake one, even whatever one's fake, has a lot of details. Um, so interesting. You put some effort into really trying to fool me here, Joe. Um, okay, okay. Let's see what we got. I I believe a lot of people want to kill Vladimir Putin. There's no doubt in my mind that he's got plenty of people. And there's and who who is trying to aristocrats want to kill him? And the yeah, FBI and CIA. As like, many as nine different Russian aristocrats were nine. discovered plotting the aforementioned carbon monoxide. Oh, Russians, monoxide. Russians. Okay, yeah. Um, so I think Never that one's. Let me just go through my thought process. Don't don't say if I'm right or wrong yet. We'll, we'll narrow it down in a second. I'm not. I'm so tempted while you're talking is to Google some keywords and get the answers, but I'm not doing it. No, I'm you telling you, I'm, no, I'm not doing it. I want this because I'm having fun the whole time you're talking. I'm fucking sorry. I'm cursing again. I cut myself <laughs> off though. Fifteen dollars. Um, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, the whole time I'm like, well, I'm, I'm smiling because I'm like, man, he's trying to really beat me here. All he's right, Tom. Got some what, what do you got? What do you got? All right, so Putin sounds very plausible. The Great White sounds a little bit far fetched. Um, you're given like real specific towns and stuff, you know, the, you know, the Boston, the Fort Lauderdale. Um, and then the one with the, uh, the water, cause I, I went to law school for a little bit and I learned about like land use rights and water laws and how you can do stuff with the water and underground who owns the water. Um, so I think the water one and Putin is real. I think the great white one is false. All right. You would be. Incorrect, sir. Sorry. Wow. Which one? Yeah. Which one was it? The water one fake? No. The um. I, I made this up, so I made up the one about the Russian, the, the, the FBI, CIA. So. You see what I'm saying? Though? That one's so. Like, I guarantee, like, even though it might not I be. I swear, a, I made it up. No, I know, but like, it's one of those things where, like, yeah, because Russian Russian probably doesn't like to leak a lot of their secrets, but it's plausible that there's so many people who want to kill Putin, right? But that's that's why I've, I I had to get something that that you're going to bite on. I couldn't say something about you know. You know, yeah. a boy takes a slingshot and, you know. First, I, I probably, I was thinking, I was overthinking because usually you have so many details about the great white one. I was, I should have probably thought, okay, you gave, you gave a lot of details about the Putin one too. You said nine aristocrats. I'm like, okay, that was specific too. Like, you know. Yeah, that's why I threw it in there. Um, the, um, and you could punch this in. You punch in Rio Verde, Foothills, Arizona and, and the water thing. All right. So uh, at least, yeah. At least I, I got the, at least I was right. Like I technically, I got one right. I got the water one right, you know. Well, the water one is true. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I I picked up the great wall. The, I said the great oh, yeah, wall. The gr- yeah, yeah, yeah. You did. You're right, right. Because you said yes, you did, Sean. I'm sorry. I'm. I'm so the water one. Yeah. Right so though. the water one's true. Yeah. So I got that right. And I mixed up. I mixed up. Yeah. It's funny you talk about great white sharks and Putin because isn't Putin kind of like a great white shark kind of? Um, that's insulting a great white shark, really. Um, <laughs> Putin is the most, one of the most disgusting human beings that's ever walked this planet. Um, please, when I please, look, when I look at what's happening to, to those poor, uh, those poor people over there Ukraine, yeah. in the Ukraine, I, I have no sympathy for Putin whatsoever. I think he's the most vile form of life there is. And I'm telling you, I love Jesus Christ and I'm forgiving, but if Putin drops dead today, it doesn't faze me a bit, but go ahead. Yeah. Uh, I just want to say, Vladimir Putin, because he's known for like having people killed. Please don't try to kill me and Joe. Please. <laughs> yeah, uh, Vladimir. Okay, so <laughs> stay uh, away, so man. Speaking of, I guess we'll continue with the speaking of uh, great whites and monsters. It's our <laughs> Brian Koberger segment. We're thinking about renaming this to uh, the Idaho killing segment instead of using his name constantly. But yeah. you know, it's everywhere in the news, you know. Can't avoid yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so just quick update on what's going on. He apparently was messaging victims on Instagram. He was DMing, called direct message. You, you, you try to slide in the girl's DMs if you're interested in them, and he overdid it. He, he, this guy, I think he was way older than them, too. They're, these girls are college you know, students. This guy, he's a, val- he's a grad student. I think he's like 28 or something. I don't know. But uh, he, was, he was DMing the girls constantly be- weeks before the murder. So that, there's a clear, clear intent that he, he knew where they were, and he was, inst- you know, he was messaging them. So that's, you know. That's kind of, you know, that, that, that's not going to help his case at all. We don't want, you know, we don't want his case to be helped in any way, especially if he's guilty. Right. Um, so, you know, that's a good thing. It's going against him. Um, and apparently there's a theory that it might be a serial killer. He might have done this before. He might have killed other girls. Oh, my um, God. That's being floated out there. Uh, you know, they're going to, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, they unearthed some other murders wherever he's been in the past. And who knows? But there's a theory that he's a serial killer. 
Because a lot of serial killers leave a calling card behind. They purposely, they're so arrogant. They purposely leave something behind that can, that's their calling card. That's their signature. I think like the Zodiac killer, you know, had something like that. But a lot of these killers have a calling card. It's like their, it's like their signature. This is that you know, it's that specific killer. They want to be remembered. Yeah. That's, yeah. You know, his, his, he might have left the knife sheath intentionally because he left the, the thing that covers the knife. Why would he leave that? Why would he be so careful about getting everything else and, you know, and leaving that? That doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, and apparently police, um, uh, collected, uh, possible, cause I think they had, they had like a dog or something that the auto students had a dog or a pet, I think. Uh, they, they collected a possible animal hair strand. So that might be key evidence. So we got some new things every day. There's a, there's new things coming out. So if anybody doesn't, if anybody gets sick to their stomach reading about this guy, looking at his picture and you know, you don't want to look at the guy cause he's a, he's a monster. Potentially, I should preface that. You know, imagine he's innocent. I highly doubt he's not. I highly doubt he's innocent, but imagine he is. Sorry if he is, but he's probably not. Um, so people could get some updates from our show, just little things, you know. Yeah. Um, that leads me into our next segment: um, current events. And the current event this week is about Alec Baldwin. He's going to be charged with involuntary manslaughter. If you remember, Joe, he killed uh, a cinematographer. On the set of uh, of Rust, a movie called Rust. Yeah, he, he heard all about he acci- this. He accidentally killed her. Well, yeah. he's, that's why he got charged with involuntary manslaughter, right? right? So, involuntary manslaughter, it's an unlawful killing that was unintentionally caused as a result of wanton or reckless conduct that the defendant engaged in. So, you know, it's pretty clear unintentionally keyword unintentionally because we don't nobody thinks that alec baldwin want like some people do but right. nobody nah. really, i don't think i don't think he actually wanted to kill her right so unintentional and then also the other the other uh part of of this law it's an unlawful killing that results in during the commission of a dangerous battery by a defendant so i don't know if this second um the second one applies to him because it's unlawful killing that resulted during the commission of a dangerous battery. So where's the dangerous battery? He's, he had a gun that he didn't know was loaded and he pointed at her and he shot. Um, so, so I don't know if they can, cause a lot of times in law, both, they're called, I forgot what they call them. They're both, cause I was in law school. I should know this right away. They're, they're both like bullet, they're not bullet points, but they're both, both things in the law. You have to meet both criteria. So for, for involuntary manslaughter, it has to meet both. So I'm not sure if, you know, I don't know. But basically the whole story is he was rehearsing um, and the person who was responsible for uh, for making sure the weapons were like not loaded, but it wasn't live ammunition, is also being charged with manslaughter charges too. Um, but Baldwin's being charged with two counts of involuntary manslaughter. Um you know, he basically, you know, he, there's a, there's a, they call it a film industry standard. They say actors are supposed, actors, you know, everyone else, all the people on set, all the people who have working on the movie set are supposed to ensure that the gun is not loaded. It's not live ammunition. Yep. It's supposed to not be live ammunition. Several but checks. It's also a film industry standard that the actual actor is supposed to ensure that the gun are safe for them to handle. So he, 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 and he denies, he denies that it's an industry standard. He said on film sets, there's no practice for actors to check their own guns. So that's going to be big, big in the case too, because they're going to use that. The, the, the prosecutors are going to be like, you know, it's film industry standard. Um, so, you know, what after bothers the, me? After, but after the shooting, I'll let you go talk in a second. After the shooting, um, the authorities found five additional live rounds. Um, they were on top of the cart where the props were kept. Um and in a belt that Mr. Baldwin was wearing as a costume piece. So, you know, there was five additional live rounds besides the one. So someone messed up really bad. 
Um, oh, yeah. They were sloppy but, as hell. Boulder also denies pulling the trigger. He says he never pulled the trigger. That's what I wanted to bring he up. He said he pulled the hammer back mm-hmm. and um, and let it go. But I never but pulled the trigger. Yeah, the yeah. FBI did an analysis. They said it said conclusively that the trigger had been pulled. Uh-huh. That right there, you just hit. That's what I was going to bring up. That bothers me. Because I wanna, I wanna believe Alec. I, 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 I don't, I don't think he, but he, he's has to accept some guilt. And when he's, when there starts to be inconsistencies in your story, that's when things just really bother me. So that really bothered me that he was on a program being interviewed. He says, "Oh no, no, I never pulled any trigger. Oh no, no, no." And now it comes out that. The, the experts and the people that, that do this for a living absolutely guarantee that the trigger would have had to have been pulled. So, you know, he said he didn't pull the trigger. They say it would have had to have been pulled. So um, that bothers me a little bit. So, you yeah, know what? You know, so the thing, I don't know. That also, a messed up thing about it is he, the, the, the person, the cinematographer who we killed, um, her name is uh, Hutchins. Her last name is Hutchins. Um, rest in peace. But um, right. apparently, he's blaming her. She's dead. And he's blaming her. He, he's saying that Hutchins directed him where to point the gun, where to uh-huh. point the gun. Yeah. And then you know she. And then then he said he didn't. He he. he for, so he's blaming everyone else. He said he directed her. This could be true. She could have directed him where to point the gun. This could be true. But then he had the audacity, and maybe he uh-huh. thinks maybe maybe he's so stressed out and there's so much stress and there's so much trauma that he didn't get the facts right. Maybe. And also he did not pull the trigger. That's the part that's like, whoa, that yeah. bothers me. And also if you look with him, there's a history, uh, it, you know, there's a history of him being a little bit of a jack off. I'm just telling you the truth. The honest to God, I've seen him, you know, explode with people and this and that. And I, I you know, he's always been a little bit of a, of, of a, of a strap. He really has been. So, um, you know, who knows? Um, you know, I'm uh, uh, all those bald ones really, but especially him is he's always had a time after time at the time. And you see, he's always been a little bit of a, you know, he's always been a little bit of a, a J.O. So <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm just telling you. So uh, I'm not saying he is certainly not a murderer, but um, Neg- he's, he's, but at, at the very least, he's, he was negligent, though. Dude, dude, if this happened, if it were you or me, I would be in tears. I'd be all over the place. I would be beside myself. He seemed more perturbed than anything else. Like, you know, look, you know, what do you bother me with this for? You know, I told you once, you know, that kind of, yeah. he just and seemed this, to, you know, it's a, uh, go ahead. Yeah, no, it's, it's a criminal case and you need all 12 jurors, jurors to find guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. So, um, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, you get a couple of jurors to be very, you know, not to find reasonable doubt and, uh, to, not to find them guilty. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah. that's going to be, it's going to be quite, I think it's going to be public. It's going to be quite the case. So we're going to have the Koberger case and we're going to have the Baldwin case. Those are pretty two high profile cases. Yes. Agreed. Um, and as we've seen with juries, <laughs> as we've seen with juries, boy, oh boy, oh boy. Um, I better stop there. I mean, look, I can, I still, I still cannot believe, I still cannot believe the OJ Simpson trial. I still cannot, for the life of me, 
I, I, it's like that. Those people on that, some key people on that jury were looking for a reason, any little reason. Hey, like, give me a reason. Give me any little leeway and I'll, 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 I'll let you off and that kind of thing. They were looking for more of a reason to let him off than because the evidence against him was, was what they were mountains again. And let me, let me say one thing right here. To this day, there is not one scintilla of evidence. DNA, anything. There's not one one scintilla of evidence pointing to anyone else on the planet Earth except O.J. Simpson. And yet he walked. And I know what happened. You know what happened. It's not a racist thing. My brothers, I love everybody, African-American community, Asian community, Latino community. You know me, Sean. You, it's not a racist thing. That was just a straight-up deal. And I, 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 I still cannot believe that happened. But when I really think about it, you know, it, you know what it was? And it was restitution for the, the Jim Crow South and the kangaroo courts that they used to set up. And things that happened there were even more egregious than, if you can imagine that, more egregious than letting O.J. Simpson go. Because if, it was the other way around times 10 in the Jim Crow South. And, and that was all that all went. I mean, there were times when they, when they, they, they had someone for cold blooded murder with eyewitnesses, they'd have a kangaroo court and Billy Bob would get off, you know, and that is, so it, it, it happened that injustice happened hundreds of times over the other way around. And I just think it was restitution for that. And it was unfortunate that had to happen that way. And I, to this day, can't even look at OJ Simpson on TV. I hit the mute button. I changed the channel. I just can't do it because brother, we've all had bad days. We've all had women that we've had relationships with that maybe they cheated on us or maybe they had got a new boyfriend or whatever it was. You don't break out a kitchen knife and go over there and take a couple of heads off. And that's what he did. And I, I, I just can't, I can't, I just can't get around it ever. And I, that poor man, that poor, those poor parents of of both, of both the Brown girl and, and, and Goldman. Goldman. Yeah. Yep. I I just, it, 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 to this day, it bothers me, but you know, uh, the only thing I can think of is that, that, that somewhere along the line, he's going to pay. He's going to pay. Do you remember um, in the 1980s, a big case, um, there was involuntary manslaughter, um, Two two actors died um, on the set of uh, Twilight Zone, the movie. I remember um, that happening. Director John Landis and four associates were acquitted of involuntary manslaughter. Yeah. Um, trial lasted for 10 months and gained global attention. Do you remember that at all? I remember the trial. I remember the movie because I couldn't wait to see the movie because I was always a Twilight Zone fan. And um, I, I remember uh, the movie. And I, I remember that case. I can't remember the specifics of it. But I remember watching the movie and people saying, yeah, this is the one where, you know, people, and they filmed this thing. A couple of people died. Blah, blah, blah. I remember it. I remember it happening. I don't remember the specifics, though. And, uh, you know, Robert Duvall was on an episode of uh, Twilight Zone. He was on the episode. Um, just one? A, I would have figured he'd be in a couple of them. I, well, he, I, he's probably maybe. <laughs> I just know one episode he was on because I'm, I'm, I read a little bit about it. Um it says a misfit named Charlie Parks finds the world unfolding before him in a museum dollhouse to be more real than his boring job and overbearing mother. I remember it. It was like a dollhouse. You remember that one? I remember it. Yes, you, I can, do. Do you remember Robert Duvall in that? Yeah, I do now. 
that you said it. And what's interesting about those old Twilight Zones is you're going to find, I mean, like William Shatner, Captain Kirk, he's in them. I mean, you're going to find, you're going to go and say, oh my God, look at that actor. Look how young he was, you know, that kind of a thing. Yeah. But you're going to see, you're going to see myriad uh, talent in those old Twilight Zone shows. Decide the fact that they're great. They're just awesome. Do you remember um, in Apocalypse Now, I don't know if you realize this, but we, we've talked about this actor a couple episodes ago. Lawrence Fishburne was in uh, Apocalypse Now, and so was Harrison Ford and Dennis Hopper. And, and wow. obviously, obviously, Martin Sheen and Marlon Brando were in it too. But you know, I think you know, side characters were Fishburne, Harrison Ford, and Dennis Hopper. Um, yeah, because you're talking like late seventies, and those guys are just starting. Yeah, because um, I think we're deaf. I can, I you know, I can see us doing Harrison Ford an episode. I could see us possibly doing. De- I think Dennis Hopper died recently. Um, we could do Dennis Hopper. Oh yeah, uh, Marlon Brando, Martin Sheen. I mean, we have a lot to. We have a lot of actors to get to. They're, we're not in a rush at, by any means, but right, right. Um, you know, yeah. So, so Baldwin trial is going to be huge. It's going to be entertaining. It's going to be all over the news. Um, it's going to be quite the spectacle. You know. Because did you watch any of that Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial where like he was suing her for defamation? I watched a little bit of it. It was just making me nauseous. The whole thing. I mean, I know some people who got so into that. I'm like, why do you care about this so much? Like they're talking about how like she pooped on his pillow and stuff. I'm like, what is going on? In that yeah, was, these both these both those people needed some. They really they. I'm not. I'm not being funny or, or facetious in any way. They both needed some help, some big time help. And neither. I think they're both victims of each other. And I I just think the whole thing was you know. Um, just ridiculous. I, I, uh, I just, I don't want to even talk about either one of them. Um, they just yeah. irritated the you, shit out of me watching that. Have you ever heard anybody call? Uh, well, I just want to say Johnny Depp was kind of like, I'm happy that he won the case because, like, she really could have ruined his whole career and it proved that she was also at fault in a big way. Oh yeah. But anyway, um, do you remember? Do you ever, has anyone ever called a, a piece of poop a grumpy? Have you ever heard that a grumpy? I don't know, dude. I'm just, ask, I'm just asking. I know this is off topic a little bit because I was listening to the Howard Stern show, and they're like, for they always have like they find they find everything that's funny in situations. They're always like really on top of things, and they're like in one in one Johnny Depp was in court with a dead serious face, and instead of saying Amber Heard pooped on his pillow, he said she left a grumpy. And I'm just like, what the hell? Are they yeah, about? that's that's uh, I don't know. I never heard it, and nor do I really care to specify yeah. or find out. But anyway, what else we got? Uh, so we're moved on from uh, grumpies and poop and all that. <laughs> and uh, we're going to go to sports. We're going to go to sports, Joe. Um, I don't know. There seems to be a big game tomorrow night between some team from Philadelphia and <laughs> New York. I'm not sure, but uh, what are you thinking? Fly, Eagles, fly. <laughs> yeah, um, I am cautiously optimistic. Um, I haven't seen my team play well in a month. But um, I think we've got some motivation here. You're one win away from the NFC title game, and your only thing you have to do is beat a team um, that you can beat, that you know very well. You have to respect them, um, but you can beat them. You should beat them, and if you don't, shame on you. That's the way I'm looking at it now. Uh, and this, these Giants are, I have to say, these Giants are better than I thought they were like just of late they really started and I I told you last week I thought they were going to win that game because I thought the Vikings I told you the Vikings were were nowhere near as good as their their deceptive record would say they were um so 
we have to respect these guys. The coach is better than I thought. Okay, he's a good coach. He's got them playing better. Daniel Jones looks better. Uh, anytime you got Saquon Barkley back there. So they're um, they're on their way. Now, sometimes teams, they start to, to really cook, and then they just fizzle out. So we'll see next year. But already this year, it's been a success for them. They're in the second level of the playoffs. They're playing better. They won a road playoff game. You know, if I'm a Giant fan, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking the arrow's pointing up. But, um, again, sometimes teams start on the way up and then rope they just. So we'll see. But for this week, um, our team better come out and be ready and respect these guys. And if they do, they're going to beat them. They're going to – they should. You know, if they come out and they're ready and they respect their opponent uh, and they play hard, we should win. We're at home. We should win by, you know, nine points or – you know, or so. Yeah, so. You guys, you're favored by seven and a half. You're at home. Uh, I'm looking at the USA Today predictions. Uh, it looks like only like two of the guys. Uh, so one guy predicted, this guy Nate Davis predicted Giants 23, Eagles 20. Um, the other guy who picked the Giants said Giants 27, Eagles 23. Um, so, you know, most everyone's picking the Eagles, but a lot of people are picking the Eagles. It's very close, you know. Someone picked 26, 22 Eagles, 30, 20 Eagles. Um, so you're saying, you're saying about nine points. So yeah, you're going up on the high, you know, you think this is going to be a convincing uh, over a touchdown. Well, I, and I, it, it, that's no disrespect to the, to the giants. I mean, um, and I'm not just saying this because they're my team, but they're, they're really talented. We, we are, the Eagles are a very, very, very talented football team, very physical football team. Um, when they really decide they want to run the ball, they can run it on anybody. When they decide they want to play defense, they can play defense. They got people that can cover. They got linebackers that are playing well, and they've got one of the best pass rushes and defensive lines in the league. So when, when, when all cylinders are firing, which I'm hoping is the case. Now, if they come out flat tomorrow, this thing could go down to the last five minutes. I hope that's not the case. I keep waiting for them to break out of this thing and get back to where they were about five weeks ago. Um, and I don't think they're going to blow out the Giants. No way. Not this. You know what I hate when people playing. say? I, nine, po- to, nine points is reasonable. Go ahead. I've talked to a couple Eagles fans, and like they, none of them sound really that like that confident. I think they should be more confident than they. You know, if you really think you're a really good team, because their their argument is like they 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 played down to their team's levels this year. Like they beat some bad teams by not a lot of points. Um, but you know, they also have the thing where like, oh, you know, it's tough to beat a team three times in a season. You know, it's, you know, they're a division rival. You know, we already beat them twice. You know, it's going to be tough to beat them three times. And, like, come on. That's not really an excuse, you know. Well, Eagles are superior you know, you, to the Giants, and they should win. Well, you can't have it both ways because if, if those Eagles fans were saying, yeah, man, we're, man, we're going to kick their ass. We're going to stomp their ass. We're gonna, don't even bother show. Then you'd say, what obnoxious Eagles fan. At least, from what I'm hearing from you, people are taking a step back. They're giving some respect to their opponent. Because that's a, I respect that coach now more than I did in the beginning of the year because I thought it was smoke and mirrors. He's he is a pretty good football coach, and he's got them playing better. And um, you know, there are the New York Football Giants, and I say this out of respect. They got four four trophies, right? They got four championships. They're a pretty good organization, and um, it's a division thing, which. Is always a not always, but often it turns into a, like a like a street fight. So I, I don't know what to expect, but I can tell you this, it, and, and and that's I think it should be refreshing to your ears to hear Eagles fans uh, keep it close to the vest and keep it you know. So it, it, 
like I said, if if you had Eagles fans that were bragging and braggadocious and, and overconfident, you'd say how obnoxious they were. You'd be the first one. These Eagles are ridiculous. No, I think what I think it's a good thing that they're like that because it shows that you know most of the football fans here that I know, the Eagle fans, they're they're smart fans, just like Giant fans. They're they're smart football fans, and you know at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it's a football game, just like you know look. Uh, it, there's, there's. It, it, when I say I hate the Cowboys, it's sports hate. I don't hate, um, you know, Dak Prescott. I don't hate uh, uh, McCarthy. I don't hate those guys. I hate them. If I saw them out somewhere, it'd probably be nice to meet them. And how are you? And this and that. But sports hate, right? Sports hate. And um, it's not the players or whatever. It's the obnoxious. Dallas fans that I can't stand the people that don't even just the obnoxious ones. You're a knowledgeable one. You're a reasonable one because you and I talk a lot, but I'm talking about the obnoxious ones, you know, and we have our obnoxious crew too here, but don't let that little bit, again, don't let the the 10 or 20% uh, ruin the 80% because most Philly sports fans, Shawnee, you know, this, you've been around this area. Most people are the same everywhere. Most people are good and decent and you get knuckleheads everywhere you go. Every city has knuckleheads. You got Buffalo, you got people jumping, you got people getting drunk at 10 o'clock in the morning and jumping off cars on the freaking card tables and you got throwing up all their place. And you, I mean, you've got these knuckleheads in every sports venue, every town, right? You've got them. So yeah. it's just sometimes ours get, uh, you know, <laughs> ours get over, you know, overblown, you know, yeah, so, so um, Cowboys, Eagles, I mean, Cowboys, Eagles, you know, that could be the potential matchup in the uh, NFC championship. Who knows? Wow, be, you, if, if that was the matchup, me and you were going to have a field day to talking about that potential because one of, no, one, of, one of our teams will be going to the Super Bowl. We were pretty dude, excited. The last time it happened, you weren't around. It was 1980. I remember it. And it was it was in Philly Veterans Stadium. It was about five degrees that day. And it was one of our best days because it's the first Super Bowl we went to. So, I mean, look, the Eagles, the Philadelphia Eagles were winning NFL championship. They held the, the champions trophy three, four times before that. I mean, you know, but when they started to call it the Super Bowl, it was like 1960, whatever. But, you know, all those those Eagle teams were world champions many a times. But when they started to call it the Super Bowl in 66, I think it was, um, that was right in the middle of our drought, too. So that's the first Super Bowl the Eagles went to and Dick Vermeil and that whole thing. So but I'll never forget that day. I'll never forget. There, there were jokers in the stands with no shirts, so, no shirts on, dude. And it was like five degrees out i'll never forget that it's a great day what what year was that 1980 i think i watched that because during that was the cowboys like during covid um there wasn't like sports i was yearning for for live sports so i used to go on youtube and watch old cowboys games i think i watched that cowboys eagles game yeah, it's neat to go back and watch it on NFL films and stuff. Yeah. I mean, Wilbert Montgomery had like a 40-yard run, and he busted it, it open, and it, the place was going absolutely berserk. This is – I mean, you're going back. You had um, – I don't think Stallback was there. I think it was Danny White. You had Danny White. He had Randy White on defense and and two tall Jones and and Emerson Walls on defense and, you, and, and Tony Dorsett. And you had the whole crew. Landry was still there. But it was for us – you know, uh, a a day to remember. Unfortunately, the Raiders got us in the Super Bowl as a damn good Raiders team, 
But it is what it is. That's why this thing in 2017 felt so damn good because we were close before. And then we were there in 05. And if McNabb didn't like throw three interceptions, like right to here, Teddy Bruschi, is that your name? Here, here, take this. I mean, it, we, we could have won that. We were in position to win that game too. And even Belichick said after that, he said, man, if we were ever to be had, this would have been the day. But unfortunately, and I don't want to blame him, but McNabb cost him that game. You switch quarterbacks in that game. And the Eagles win their first title in 05, but they didn't. Was that, Finally, was that the game to, where uh, Mr. McNabb uh, threw uh, up on the field? Yep. No, um, he threw up on. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. He threw yes, up versus the Panthers or the, the Panthers or the Patriots. Well, hold on. I think, it, I think actually, it was in the Super Bowl, so it had to be the Patriots, right? Jacksonville, yeah. It was in. Ja- I thought Jacksonville, like, no, it had to be the Jaguars, but it was Jacksonville is where the Super Bowl was. Yes, it was that game. It was that game. Okay. He not only did that, and people talk about why, um, Don used to like to drink. So, and he, the, <laughs> his teammates said he was hungover. And I don't know why he was drinking the night before the Super Bowl, but um, anyway, his teammates, a couple of his teammates said, because he used to, and since then, he's been, I, I've seen it on, you know, he clips you sure, of it. He's sure been, it wasn't too much Campbell's chunky suit? Yeah, it could have been. I don't know, but uh, it's sports. And at the end of the day, it's just sports. I mean, look, yeah, you, you, you know, um, Pittsburgh, the Steelers won, I mean, in that, in an era, in an era where there was no free agency, that that's the whole difference. If there's free agency, those four Super Bowls, and they may have been one or two, but to win four, you had to have a good reason. I'll tell you why you had a good reason. You didn't have free agency. You had a good couple, three good drafts in a row. You had captive customers for, you know, players for, for 10 years. Now, yeah. um, before that, before that, Go look at what the Steelers did in the 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s. Yeah, you said yeah. they're they're horrible, right? They won one one playoff game in 50 some years. Did you they know? They were I, absolutely pathetic. What? Let me ask you a question real quick. Did you know that um, there was once a team called the Steagles, and it was the yep. Steelers and the Eagles? World War II. They didn't have enough players. A lot of guys went off to war. Okay, a lot of guys went off to war in World War Two, and uh, they didn't have enough on either team, the Pittsburgh or Philly. So they combined. And I guess the Steagles, it sounds more like Eagles than Steelers. I guess the Eagles took precedent because in the 1940s, um, the Steelers were like. They were like like the Arizona Cardinal. They were right. I mean, they they won nothing at that point. And the Eagles already had a couple of championships under the belt. In nineteen forties, the Eagles were like the pride of the league at one point. They really were. Um, so the name of that team, the combo was Steagles, S T for Steelers, and then Eagles. Uh, that's true. That's true. You want to hear uh, just something up, just a little story real quick. The only reason I know that is because I was at a bar. A, a, There's this one bar in Delmar called Bar A. It's pretty famous. It's like you know, it's it's like it's near this place called DJ's, and which is right. famous, so like Jersey Shore or whatnot. But anyway, um, my friends and I were at the bar. And my friend was trying to win like a free like ESPN like keychain or something dumb, like some little like knickknack or whatever from ESPN. And the, the trivia question was, uh, you know, what was the name of like the this like this this something about Pittsburgh and Philadelphia team or something like that? Uh-huh. And I took up my phone and I I think I had a BlackBerry at the time and I I found the answer and I gave my friend the answer and he won but I did cheat you know because <laughs> <laughs> you got me thinking about tonight because I was like you know I'm not going to cheat on this game I'm not I really want to have fun with this game but yeah you don't want to do that and I'm glad you did because it would be easy to and I don't it's like I 
look, it's fun. It's fun to try to test your memory and by, be true to thyself. Because we've done like, this. We've done this at work. We're we're, we're we're thinking about like that one day we couldn't think of Lane Johnson's name. We're like, no, don't take out your phone. Don't don't take out your phone. You know, we got we got to think about this ourselves. Let's, let's, and let's we eventually it. got it, and it felt better. Yeah. Anyway, so Cowboys 49ers Sunday at six thirty. I don't know if this is fair or not, but the Cowboys played on Monday night, and the 49ers played last Saturday. I mean, they're on a lot more rest, but um, I digress on that. But anyway, the 49ers are favored by four points there at home. Um, it's really tough to predict. I mean, the, I saw a funny quote from uh, a good football writer for Pro Football Take, Pro, Pro Football Talk, uh, Mike Florio. Um, he said the 49ers have a collection of badasses who can roll out of bed and run through a brick wall. Yeah. Um, so that's a pretty funny quote. Yeah. But uh I don't know, man. It's it's gonna be tough. And this is Dak's coming out game. Because if Dak can win this game, you know, that's gonna be because we don't we haven't won uh we won our first road playoff game, I think since nineteen ninety two when we beat the Bucks last week. Right. Um we conquered Tom Brady. Now we gotta face this rookie quarterback who could be the next Tom Brady, possibly Brock Purdy, especially if he wins a Super Bowl this year, everyone's gonna be comparing him to Brady. But um they're a talented football team. They got a, Kyle Shanahan's a pretty good coach. Um, I think he's a better coach than than uh so than uh our guy, right? Uh, McCarthy, but you know, it's 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 a four. It's only a four point spread. Um, I think the over under is forty six points. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think I think if Dak continue his momentum, forty dollars defense is a lot. They're a lot different than uh than, <laughs> than, than the, the Bucks. Tell me, you sent me a voice note the other day talking about the, the Cowboys 49ers. What's some of your you had some funny thoughts? You know, you, you're basically saying the Cowboys have no chance. And why do you think that? Well, I'm gonna tell you why. First of all, you touched on something. They're on a short rest as opposed to the other guys being on a longer rest. That's A. B, they're traveling. They're good and the other guys are home. C, if they play on a neutral field with all things equal, let's say they played on a neutral field with all things equal. I look at when I look, look at a game, I look at this off- offense against that defense and I look at their defense and vice versa, right? So I look at, I look at, I look at the, uh, Dallas offense against the 49er defense. Okay. 49er defense, they are some badasses, and they don't. And I know the Cowboys' offensive line is pretty good, but they're a little banged up, too. Um, they ran the ball. Yeah, they ran a good ball. Again. Yeah, like I said, what I found out the other night was more than anything was just how goddamn bad the the Buccaneers are. They were awful. And I come to find out they have no running game at all. They can't protect and they can't play defense anymore. They're really not even a playoff team. I'm, I'm not trying to diminish the Cowboys win. Congratulations. But this is not only a better, this is a, uh, an animal of a whole different color. Now, okay, so the Cowboys offense, the running game is going, I'm not going to say it's going to be shut down, but it's good. the yards are going to be hard to come by. So you're not going to be able to, quote unquote, establish the run. I don't think, not against these cats. Now you got to turn around and chuck it. Now you better have like a, a, primo passer to do that okay because sooner or later they're going to key in on it and that back end of that 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 49er defense is solid all the way through so now you're going to okay not going to run the ball all right Prescott you got to do it 
Now, I know you got some good receivers, but these guys are going to be physical and locked down. It's going to be a whole different ball game. I think it's going to be difficult. As good as the as good as the Cowboys offense is, I think it's going to be difficult. Now let's flip it right away. Let's talk about the 49er offense against Cowboy defense. McCaffrey and Debo Samuel, man, that's going to be scary. Now, here, but uh, one thing that, that look, all teams have weaknesses. The cow, one of the Cowboys' weaknesses is that you can, if you really get physical enough and you're bad enough, you can hammer them right up the middle and gut them with some runs. Right? You really, really and, can. Uh, yeah, exactly. And you can. You can. They're susceptible to that. Now, when you really start to come up and try to really protect that and bring extra guys in, now. Um, not that, not that, um, the 49ers passing game is like what it used to be, but you don't have to be all that at all to burn some of these Cowboys defensive backs because they're really, they've shown real vulnerability of late. They really have in the last like six weeks though, that back end. Now, the reason why they're not exposed that often on that back end is because they have a pretty damn good pass rush. We know this number 11 and everybody else. But if you got a team that can neutralize that pass rush and this offensive line is pretty damn good. Um, that's a physical front and they can neutralize some of that pass rush. You got to have your back end sharp and you do not have lockdown corners back there. So I see, I, and, and that I could see that happening. And I can also see the 49ers can run. They can stomp run on anybody so they can run at you, right? Got you in places and they can run the ball and they got some tough people running the ball. They're very physical. Um, and so pick your poison. You're going to come up and get that, and then we're going to go after that. If you're going to, you know, really, you know, keep guys on the back end and a soft, soft front, we're going to smash you up the middle. So they can do those two things. I just see the 49ers being able to shut down the Cowboys' running game and put it on Dak. Yeah, because uh, Jason P- Jason Peters is not playing. Peters isn't playing, and I think you lost a guy a couple weeks ago on that line. Now, they're pretty formidable normally, but I just think it's going to be too much for them to handle. What do you if, think What do you think about – because Greg Rosenthal is an NFL.com writer. He thinks the 49ers are going to win by six, but he, he uses like really specific like numbers. He thinks – because Nick Bosa played uh, 65 snaps in his past two games combined – Micah Parsons played 79 just one game on Monday night, plus it's you know short rest. I think that really matters. Do you think like okay, the Bosa played you know this X amount of snaps less than Parsons? Is that really important? You know that's going to like be a key to the game because I'm like that's over analyzing. I think. I, you know, I think it is. You know what? These these dudes are professional athletes. Dude, they're in phenomenal shape. And if you give them three or four days, you know, and then if you turn around and say, hey, look, guys, you win this god darn game, you're going to the NFC Championship. I don't care how tired you are. I could jump off the chair right now and I'm not even playing. I mean, it's that big. So And, and so these guys are younger. They're incredible shape. And yeah, it, it's something to look at, but I don't think so. Not in the case of those two dudes that you just mentioned. They're going to be up for it no matter what. Yeah, so, exactly. And and um, so and, what, and it's in France. It's in San Francisco. So I just got to yeah. I got to give them the nod. All right. So I'm a Cowboys fan. Uh, I'm going to be loyal. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm thinking we win this 30-24. I'm just going to call it 30-24. That's my prediction. Cowboys 30-24. Cowboys Eagles and the uh, I think the Eagles will win too. Cowboys Eagles and the it's going to be a hell of a uh, NFC Championship match. But 
you know, the game we didn't get to see a couple weeks ago because obviously there was other things that happened, like an emergency because Demar Hamlin um, obviously was you know fighting for his life. But Bills Bengals are playing at three before the Cowboys game. Um, that's going to be a great game too. It looks like the Bills are favored by five and a half. Um, but you never know. I mean, Josh Allen has playing he's playing pretty inconsistent lately. Um, it is it is you know Bills are playing at home, but you know Joe Burrow's he's he's pretty special. So uh, I would not be shocked if the Bengals win at all. I wouldn't either. And as a matter of fact, um, I I have had concerns about the Bills for the last um, maybe four or five weeks. They're not the same. And I don't know, everyone, and listen, that's what I told you. I said, look, dude, early in the year, I said, yeah, they look great right now, but they don't hand out the Lombardi trophy at Halloween, brah. They just don't do it. There's a whole long season. A lot can happen. And the Bills don't look the same to me as they did. And the Bengals aren't scared to go anywhere, bro. You saw them last year. You know, they'll go anywhere and win, right? So um, I'm going to predict the Bengals to win that game. by four points. I don't know what the numbers are going to be by four points, maybe five. Um, more than a field goal, less than a touchdown somewhere in there is, is my feeling. I don't know what the hell's going to happen. No, no one really knows. Um, so and to, to, and to predict scores, I don't know. So I just, I'd like to predict the differential. So I'll say uh, five points. Um, the Cincinnati Bengals are going to win. The 49ers will beat the Dallas Cowboys. Um, they're going to beat them by about, oh, eight points. I think eight points is fair. I think the Eagles win by about nine. And what's the other game? Oh, the Chiefs and the Jags. We, we talked about it in the beginning of the show. Um, like I said, I mean, the, the Chiefs are favored by about 10 points. They're playing at home. Um, you know, I'd, I'd be pretty shocked if Mahomes loses to uh, a young Trevor Lawrence in that game. You know, oh, Trevor I, Lawrence I feel pop, something. You know, but, I Doug, feel... but, but Doug Peterson, he's the, it's a Doug Peterson factor. You know, you're not always going to come up with his game plan, his different plays and different things. Cause um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think the Andy Reed uh, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be Andy Reed in the AFC championship. Um. You know, I'm thinking, I don't know, Bill's Bengals is interesting. Um, yeah, that's a tough one to predict. Bill's Bengals, I really, I don't really know, but I do think the Chiefs win pretty easily, though, to be honest with you. Um, I could see why you would do that. I really can't. And Arrowhead's a hard place to play. And this team just came back. They looked horrible for the first half. But you know what? I got to think, I got to think that it's this David and Goliath thing. And I think that the, 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 if I'm the Jags, I'm going in there with a little bit of swag. We got nothing to lose. And the Chiefs are like, damn, we can't let these guys be. And I just think that um, that if they're playing right, that, ja- that Jaguars team is really interesting. And if they're playing wrong, that Chiefs team can look very pedestrian. So I'm going to envision a scenario in which the Jaguars keep this keep this thing close, and maybe some fluky, goofy fumble by um, Mahomes or hopefully Kelsey. I'd love to see that. I love yeah, his also, brother. Also I, hate, the, I can't stand yeah. Kelsey, but I love his brother. So we'll see. Uh, um, 
Yeah, the Chiefs uh, don't have Tyree Kill anymore, so that's pretty important. Right, you know. that's, that's big time. They're pretty, when they look bad, Sean, they're, they look pretty pedestrian. They really do. Yeah. And when the Jaguars look sharp, they're like, whoa. And who what knows about, um, Andy Reid's offense coaches. better than Doug? Doug Peterson has a Super Bowl, and Sean McDermott um, doesn't. Sean McDermott's a hell of a coach. He's but, a good football know, coach, yeah. Can't you see the story already, though? Can't you see, like, um, I'm just thinking of, like, the, the young coaches who could possibly win a Super Bowl. McCarthy's already won. Peterson's already won. Reed's already won. Can't you see, a, like, a scenario and a storyline where, like, it's like Sirianni versus McDermott, like the Bills versus the Eagles type of thing, and it just happens, and, like, it's young coach versus young coach type of, you know. I know Sirianni's younger. You know, I think McDermott's like 48, but I could I could just see that storyline, McDermott versus Sirianni. Not that I think it's going to ha- happen because I, you know, I don't want the, you know, for I'm happy I'll be happy for you if the Eagles do make it, but um, you know, I like to see the Cowboys, but I I could just see you know McDermott versus uh versus Sirianni, some sort of storyline playing out. I don't know. I just uh, and who knows, and who knows you know sometimes you think you got these teams figured out then all of a sudden the, the playoffs hit and they hit that extra gear who knows but. I think the Bills are in a little bit of trouble. I really do, um, especially with the Bengals. And that cat, uh, Burrow, he doesn't care. He's got ice water, dude. He's I really he's he's really something. He yeah. really is. Did so, you know uh, McDermott? Sean McDermott went to LaSalle College High School, a North Penn High School. He's from. I think he's pretty sure he's from like the Philadelphia area. He's from here, and he almost had the the head coaching job here, uh, like about I don't know, so, maybe ten years ago or something. At one point, he almost had it, and he didn't get it. But that's like we've always done pretty well. They, I'll tell you much about about the uh, Jeffrey Lurie and his administration. Uh, they've always hired very. They've always been able to interview people. I coughed. Um, they've always been. They, I shouldn't tell should we just cough on air instead of having that little no, like silence? You know? No, we shouldn't. And, and eventually we're going to stop telling everybody. Um, but they went out and, and they hired, uh, they learned early on. They, they, the first, the first guy they hired was Ray Rhodes. who's a good football guy. He's a good football guy. But then they went Andy Reid. Now, and I mean, Andy Reid was this, this guy, this, this big heavy set guy from Green Bay that was some kind of a, and like, who the hell? And okay, he turned into a pretty damn good football coach, right? Um, they thought Chip Kelly, but they didn't take them long to, to, to kick Chip Kelly out of here. Doug Peterson's a good football coach. And this guy, Sirianni, seems like he is too. Um, so they've always, it seems like they've always had a knack for being able to spot good football coaches and that's not easy to do all the time. So, you know, we'll see. Yeah. All right. So I'm pretty tired. exciting, pretty exciting <laughs> Saturday and Sunday will be very exciting. Um, you know, it's football weekend, you know, we're not, you know, the Knicks lost tonight, you know, the Knicks lost tonight, you know, they lost to the Hawks who Hawks are becoming like our Hawks are like basically in the nineties, the, the Knicks had a rivalry between the Pacers and the Bulls because they hated Reggie Miller and Michael Jordan. Um, now, because Trey Young, this Trey Young's pretty infamous in New York, because like he was very like when the Hawks beat them a couple uh, years ago in the playoffs, Trey Young was pretty uh, pretty um, animated and talking a lot of crap to the New York fans. So New York doesn't really like Trey Young, and unfortunately, they you know they lost to the Hawks tonight. But that's basketball. Villanova beat St. John's in Madison Square Garden tonight, um, and St. John's was favored. I think St. John's was like you know they're at home. And they were like they had thirteen wins. Villanova only had like eight wins going into the game. So big win for Nova. Congratulations! Did Nova get that guy back. I need to interrupt you, Sean, but I no, want to ask you a question. Did Nova get that guy back? They lost last year. No, no, we're waiting. Justin Moore. We don't. There's a thing about Villanova because everyone thinks the season's over pretty much, 
if Justin Moore comes back for the Big East tournament and we win that Big East tournament, we can be a very interesting team. And, and I hope so, because, you know, I heckle you a little bit. But I, I, I love Philadelphia teams, and, and that, that's a Philadelphia team, bro. And yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not as crazy a, a, about them as you are, but I love – come tournament time, of course I'm rooting for Nova. Damn straight. Absolutely, man. I appreciate it. Uh, yep. All right, so that's the show for today. All links for social media is going to be in the description. Um, the song is uh, Our House by Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Um, Joe, I'll let you have the floor. Scratch my back with a hacksaw. Good night. Take care, everyone.